0: This is the NSOJ Tanoi Podcast, the official podcast of the National School of Journalism, Bangalore. Hello, everyone. I'm Timothy Franklin, and my guest today is Bharat Mahadevan. Bharat is a leader in the aviation industry, he managed operations of Singapore Airlines in India and Singapore, jet airways in North Asia, and he is now country head of Scoot Airlines. We talk about how safe it is to fly during a pandemic, why international travel is restricted, how COVID is different from SARS, 9-11, volcano ash and other global events that impacted the airline industry, and what the future of air travel will be. Grab a jacket and join us as we chat outdoors on a windy afternoon in Bangalore's UB City. Hi Bharat, uh, it's nice to catch up uh, outdoors in, in UB City. How are you doing?
1: Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's... Great to be outdoors after so many months.
0: Unlocked too, so buses, trains, private cars, cabs, domestic flights are all operating. So I guess it's back to normal for travel in India.
1: Uh, not really. Uh, if you look at the flights, they're running at about 30% of the original capacity, and uh, each flight is going about on average 50% load factor. A host of reasons for that. The main one is the quarantine restrictions when you fly across states. So is that the
0: main thing? Is that the main reason?
1: That thing? is one of the key reasons. And the second reason, of course, is uh, the fear of travel among the uh, elite in India because there are two Indias out there. One is the one that you see out there, uh, the daily wage workers, the auto drivers, the Uber drivers, uh, the guys pushing carts and selling food and they need daily income. And the second India is, of course, the one sitting at home getting a salary and... Uh, spreading fear on Whatsapp, so that's the one who's not travelling. That's
0: an explosive start to this uh, interview, the fear of uh, of the elite and uh, so how, how real is this fear when it comes to, to flying Bharat? How safe is air, air travel? No,
1: air travel is clearly the safest mode of transport, I mean…
0: Even in terms even of in, a pandemic?
1: Yes, yes, definitely. If you look at during the uh, pre-lockdown period, not just India, across the world, uh, the international air transport association did a study and they found that there were three three cases of transmission in the aircraft just three and they were from passenger to crew and zero from passenger to passenger
0: why so, is that
1: uh air transport one the filters the air conditioning filters in the aircraft are similar to what you see in hospital operation theaters they are the cleanest uh, you can get and secondly passengers face forward they don't really interact with each other and the third reason is the airflow is not from the front to the back of an aircraft it's from top to bottom so the uh, risk of catching the infection on the aircraft pretty pretty much zero
0: that's an eye-opener even even for me Um, but then why are international flights then, then yet to resume in several countries around the world uh, you still have restrictions on international travel. If you look at India you have NRIs who are stuck here, some of them need to get back to their families or get back to their jobs which may not be waiting for them when they get back. You have uh, students who would have liked to pursue their studies in overseas universities who are unable to go. Uh, why, Why is there still a complete ban on international air travel as far as India is concerned?
1: I think if you look at the world, 65% or 60% of the world is still under lockdown. It's still under, and about 80% of the international borders are still closed. So I guess what countries want to do is, say New Zealand for example, they've dropped the number of cases to zero. They don't want to get open international air travel and uh, get more cases in from outside. But at some point they're going to have to, which... You are probably one of the few people
0: I know who would have had a ringside view to something as uh, as near in, in comparison to what we are experiencing right now which was the SARS original SARS epidemic of yeah. uh, uh, 2002 and yeah. 2002 2003 yeah. you were a young professional in the aviation space were you in Singapore at that time yes, yes. how did the airline industry face up to the challenges of SARS and what lessons have we learned from that? In the
1: aviation industry, I've seen 9-11, I've seen SARS, I've seen H1N1, I've seen MERS, and of course there are a lot of other things like uh, bomb blasts and volcanoes and so on. So aviation industry is the first to get affected whenever any of these happens. But if you look at the difference between SARS, which is a much more deadly disease than COVID, if you look at the experience of H1N1, which is equally contagious, uh, the only difference between then and now is that now we have information at our fingertips. Uh, there was a case in the next apartment complex and we get to know his name, we get to know his uh, what he did. He is a stay-at-home warrior but he went to this particular place to buy vegetables and that's where he got it. And there's too much information coming out now and there's too much fear spreading. People are counting the numbers on a day-to-day basis. What are they going to do with the numbers? I mean the numbers will increase, it's a, it's a pandemic, So, but if you look at what happened during SARS, um, we had these thermal scanners at the airports to check for passengers coming in. How effective are those
0: thermal scanners? I think this is a question that everybody has, a, whether you're entering a, a restaurant or UB City or wherever else, people are out there uh, taking your temperature. How effective is the, has this been in terms of being able to screen uh, people and, and pre- prevent contagion? I know you're not a doctor, but at least in in terms of... Because I think the aviation industry was the first to actually uh, implement this, at least in, in
1: Hong Kong, where you yes, spent time. Yes, in Hong Kong and, and Singapore. Singapore. There were yeah. thermal scanners. And if you're above a certain temperature, they just test you. But that was it. There was no uh, talk of changing the world. There was no talk of a new normal. There was no talk of... Everything is going to collapse, and business travel is going to collapse, and people are going to do go good video conferencing. no talk like that. There were thermal scanners, people flew normally uh, the airline, I mean the two airlines in Southeast Asia, Cathay and Singapore airlines were brought down to their knees for about three months, but it 's nothing compared to what we see now and yeah, in terms of efficiency, it just it was just a preventive measure, which, which I guess is what we need right now Is it a
0: fair characterization to say that it 's really to uh, to get people comfortable, rather than having any scientific basis, do you actually foresee a change because of public perception being the way it is?
1: I don't know if the change is due to public perception or is just a host of articles written by anybody who has access to a blog, which is
0: which informs public perception. But that's
1: yeah, yeah. But it's just articles saying, "Oh, this is going to be the new normal. Crew are going to wear PPE. They're going to sanitize." this. I mean, we just had lunch. at City, and you saw that they're giving you cutlery, crockery in a a so-called sterilized uh, uh, cover. But I don't know how how long that's going to sustain. And I don't know if the response of the airlines is due to that or… People need to be comfortable, right? People need to be comfortable. People need to be comfortable. I was… I I was… I said I'm going to be the first one to be flying on an international flight once they start. But now, no, I don't want to wear a mask on a 24-hour intercontinental flight, so... Uh, you've gone through uh, 2002,
0: 2003. Did the airline industry have to take any steps to change, or just human nature and you...
1: you At that time, there was no way of even communicating to the public that we've changed, so there's no, there was no need to, actually. Yeah. But now, in the social media generation, you have to show that you've done something. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's... But in terms of the virus, I guess... It's going to run its natural course. And if you look at countries with or without lockdown, it's going to hit a certain percentage. What that percentage is, nobody knows. It could be when it infects a certain number of people, and then it can't infect anymore. So then the death rate goes down. If you look at the US, the death rate is going down. And um, it'll, it'll die a natural death. But till then, the fear is going to be there.
0: No industry can survive without customers. How long can the industry sustain itself uh, before it becomes uh, not, not,
1: not viable anymore? Uh, I don't think the industry can sustain for too long. Uh, three months itself is a very long period. If you look at the news reports yesterday, Indigo and Vistara have announced uh, pay cuts and layoffs, which they held on till now. They thought that once they start flights, things will get back to normal, but that's not happening either because, as I said, Indigo is flying at 30% of their original capacity, uh, which is which is a drastic reduction. So they have all these aircraft sitting on the ground. They have all the operational crew, and uh, they thought it would improve, but it hasn't. But cash-rich airlines like Indigo, like Singapore Airlines, they can survive. But we've already seen a lot of airlines going under in these three months: Virgin Australia, uh, Air Mauritius, Knoxcoot uh, in Thailand, uh, Flybe. Huawei, a couple of airlines are going under as more and more uh, months of this lockdown continue, we will see more airlines joining the graveyard and as more and more airlines do that, you have your pilots, you have your crew, you have thousands and thousands of people in the airline industry losing jobs which in turn impact your hotels, which in turn impact your tourism, your theme parks across the world. I used to have a very romantic view of
0: air travel. In the late '90s, which was the first time I took, I took a plane. Do you see the airline industry reverting to that more purposeful uh, mode of transport in the future, where people are very deliberate about getting on a plane because they want the experience of flying rather than using it purely as a mo- uh, means of transport?
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, in the early '90s, early 2000s. It was a romance of travel, but as and when the low-cost carriers came in, it became a commodity. Whoever had the cheapest flight, cheapest seat at that particular time to that destination, that was that was what the passenger would take. Uh, moving forward, I mean, uh, as we get out of this pandemic, whenever that is, you will see uh, the social, the economic, and the medical uh, issues at conflict with each other, and more and more as we move forward, the government will uh, respect the economic issues, the the economic impact. And as that happens, and as travel opens up, you'll see the luxury travel coming back first. Uh, And uh, because these these people want to travel, they have the money, because the economic impact, you have to to consider that, that even though somebody may want to travel, three months down the line, he may not have his job, he may not have the money. So the luxury travel will come back first. And maybe in the medium term to long term, we will be back to normal. There are enough articles about the new normal, about video conferencing, about uh, Airbnb spoke about uh, intimate travel, which is you know in uh, in your travel own bubbles. Travel bubbles in your own locality. All these are nice to <laughs> read. It's
0: fascinating. The Formula One season is kicking off. Yeah. Uh, Tomorrow, the day after tomorrow and they have uh, a crazy system of bubbles and bubbles within bubbles and they're having this global roadshow happening in, in, in a bubble and you have football matches being played with, uh, with, with speakers, with speakers yeah, and yeah.
1: in the short <laughs> term most definitely there will be changes you have to wear your mask you'll be uh, served a, cart- a carton with your food and your water for a 24-hour flight those those changes will happen in the short term but in the long term, if 911 hasn't changed anything drastically other than your slightly increased security measures, if SARS hasn't changed anything, if H1N1 hasn't changed anything, why should this be any different?
0: That was Bharat Mahadevan on the future of air travel. Join us next week for another episode of the NSOJ Tanoi podcast. Bye bye.